I want to read a couple of scriptures today and, and then we'll move right into things. But, but Acts 2, 37 and 38, I want to read. Acts 2, 37 and 38. The Bible says when they heard Peter's, Peter's preaching, when they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had, had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and to the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? And Peter replied, repent and return to God. Each one of you, of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember those four things today that, that God is deeply moved across seven or eight people, actually lots more than that, and they desire to be baptized. But when we're deeply moved, we need to repent, we need to return to him, and we need to be water baptized, and we need to be baptized. We may be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I want to read to you Romans 10, 9 and 10. God's living message is very close to you, as close as your heart beating in your chest, and as near as the tongue in your mouth. Verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that again is Romans 10, 9 and 10. So as we see here in the scriptures today, God is here now. God is as close as your heart beating in your chest, is as close as your tongue on your mouth. When the word of God and the love of God is displayed, people will be deeply moved. We have several here today that have been deeply moved. But we see it all through the Bible. You can see it in Mark 10, 17. In Luke 18, 18, the rich young ruler, when he went to Jesus and he was deeply moved, he said, what must I do? And Jesus said these things. And then in John 6, 28, when the man came to Jesus, what must we do? And so we see this throughout the Bible, even after Christ was dead, rose from the grave, and went to be with the Lord. They were asking the disciples, the apostles, they're asking preachers and teachers, you know, when the, we are deeply moved, what must we do? In Acts 16.30, Peter was asked this, and he said the same things. So this answer is given when we are deeply moved. We saw four responses in Acts chapter 3. The first step is we repent, and repent means to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. To feel regret, or current, uh, reason I'm stumbling here, amendment, amendment means offer change. So when God moves on us, I want us to get this today, and I'll get into it later, but even after we're saved, God will still move on us. And we need to make amendments, changes in our lives that, that will help us grow in him. So repenting is, is so necessary to grow in a love relationship with the Lord. And it's, it's more than just the first time at salvation. We grow in him as he teaches us and he guides us. The second thing we say, see here is Peter said, return to God. And this really drop, drop, just drops into me today and this last week because I've read this a hundred times, but, but we were made to be with God. And so when we choose him, when we repent and say, Jesus, I want you, we are just going back home. 
We're just going back to the creator that created us. We're just reestablishing a relationship that man, we walked away from. God didn't do this. We walked away from him. And so that's the two, the second step. And the third step is each one of you must be baptized. Jesus, the anointed one, this means only Jesus can remove your sins. Jesus is the only way to God. As today, as I was kind of brushing over this this morning, I was listening to my devotion, and I, to be honest with you, I wasn't paying much attention. But as I, all of a sudden, it just jumps out to me, the, the guy says, scapegoat. And I was like, wow, that's what I'm on right here. I'm looking at baptism. In the Old Testament, you know, we think scapegoat's just a word that we made up ourselves. But scapegoat was clear back in the Old Testament. When the Israelites were sinning against God and doing things against God, they would put all the sins that represented the sins onto the goat, the scapegoat, and make it leave the camp. And you can read about that in Leviticus. It says, as a goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. That's what Christ did to us or for us. He took on all of our sins. He became the scapegoat so that we could go to God and experience the totality of God just like him. And that takes us into the fourth thing that the word says today. And and it's not you have to, it's you get to, but the word says you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and that's what we don't get a hold of nowadays, that we think that we got a, a hold of life and that we're in control of everything when we're really not. Back in the day, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 4, so mighty that every peop, all the people around like, there's people getting healed, there's people getting saved, there's, there's a move of the Holy Spirit here. What can I do to get that? I mean, there was a move of God going on like you wouldn't believe, and everybody wanted that. And they desired that. And that's what Peter was saying, you got to repent, you got to give yourself back to Jesus, and then you can have the Holy Ghost moving in your life. You may operate in the Holy Ghost. And we see all through the word that, that even Simon the sorcerer in, in, in Acts chapter 8, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. He wanted to, to, do, to, to take it possession of it that way. And they rebuked him for it. We see even Satan was trying to kill the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The world's trying to, to kill the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, we need to be excited about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because after we're saved, we may receive it too. And I've challenged these, two, these people today that when we're, we're being saved and we've given our life back to Jesus, in the vows today, I'm going to ask them if they want to be filled with the Spirit. And if they choose to, they will be. We may be filled with the, with, with the Holy Ghost and the power of God that will change not only our lives and lives around us. And that to me is an exciting thing today. So today as we move into the, the, the baptism vows here and this group that's being baptized, I want you guys to come on up to the stage, if you will. And, and those that are going to get baptized, come on up here today. And so I share that. I don't know if that's for anybody today. But uh, as we were doing all these things today, the Lord kept reiterating with me, so many times we think it stops at salvation, that, that I no longer need to repent or need to turn to God on situations. And I think it gets us into trouble a lot of times because these scriptures remind us over and over that, that we need to go to God with everything that we are. 
You know, the scripture in Romans 10, 8 says that, that, it's, that Christ is as close as your heart and, and, and as close as the tongue that's in your mouth. That's how Christ, how close he is. But if, again, verse 9 of Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that when you confess with your mouth and when you believe, that's when things happen. And we need to continually go to Christ with situations in our life. No matter what's going on in our life, we need to continue to go through to him. And yes, he's forgiven us. Yes, he's done all that. But we need to continue to turn to him. Again, I was convicted this Wednesday night and, and, and responded to the altar call myself. Because I feel like God's wanting to do more in my life. And I repented of holding back. And I said, God, I come closer to you. I want more of you. And so we're continually uh, giving ourselves to the Lord. A lot of times we got situations going on in our life and we're not doing anything to talking to the Lord about it. It's got our life tore upside down and, and we're wanting some help in our life. And, and we've not turned to God and said, God, I need help in this situation. I need help with my son or daughter or aunt or uncle or finances or whatever it may be. And we need to repent of doing, trying to handle things all the time by ourselves. When Christ went to the cross to take care of us and to lead us and to guide us. And I'm not telling you to sit at home on your hands and not use your head. But so many times we're trying to take on this world without Christ. Uh, again, this, this virus thing that we talked about earlier. Are we trying to take that on or are we trying to let the Lord bring us what we need? We need to turn to Him. We need to go to Him and confess and believe who He is because that's where the power is. Father, we come against this virus in the name of Jesus and we believe that you will bring us through this. See, we're stepping out and we're acting our faith. So it needs to continue to go on. But what the Lord began to show me and burn on me this week is that, that throughout our life, I believe there's four ways that Christ pursues us and he's pursuing us at all times. And, and last week we started out in, in, in Mark 2, 10, and I believe that Christ is pursuing the unsaved. If you're unsaved here today, Christ is pursuing you. He wants you more than anything. He wants you to, to call upon him. He wants you to, to speak and confess him and believe in him because he wants to bring life, eternal life to you, bring you back home and give you what Satan has stolen from you. You see, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Christ came that you may have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10 says. So we press into the Lord. Last week, we were studying in Mark 10 about uh, 210 about how that the Pharisees, you know, they brought this man, these people brought this man, four men brought a guy to them, lowered him through the roof because they believed that Jesus could heal him. And this healing takes place. And here this man had just gotten healed and he's wanting to shout for joy and, and, and run around and praise God for his, not only forgiveness of sins, but for healing his body. He did both things that Christ would take care of on the cross. He did in that man. He forgave his sins and he healed his body. And the Pharisees, the ones that knew better, the church that should have known who the Christ was, were arguing with him, were fighting with him. But Christ even pursued them. Christ even loved them enough that, that he said, but to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive you of sins. In other words, that's why he performed the miracle. He was even trying to convince the, the, the scholars that were against him. So Christ is pursuing those that aren't saved today. 
If you're here today, Christ wants you, and he gave you, gave you his life. He was within heaven. He came after you. And I challenge you today to receive him if you haven't, because it'll be the best decision that you've ever made. God is moving, and, and, and we need to, to press into him. The other thing that we see here through the scriptures today is that if your faith is ruled by the flesh, you know, uh, uh, lots of us are ruled by the flesh. At times, I'm ruled by what I see, what I hear, what I smell, what I feel, what I touch. A lot of times, it determines whether I'm going to believe or not. And even when we're in that point, Christ is still pursuing us. He's still wanting to minister to us. And I hear it so many times, Pastor, I'm so bad. God would never love me. Jesus could never love me. He even pursues us when we're in the flesh. And I go to John 20, where Doubting Thomas, I don't like to call him Doubting Thomas, but Thomas, you know, Christ had rose from the dead. The disciples came to him, and they'd heard the preaching all the, the, the years that he was with Christ, that I will die and I will rise again. And Christ did it. But Thomas' words, when they came to him and told him that he had risen from the dead, Thomas' words were, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally, what? See it. He was in the flesh. Until I see the wounds of the nails in his hands and touch them, feel it with my finger and put my hands in the wound on his side where he was pierced, I won't believe it. So we see that Thomas, a disciple, a man of God, said that that I've got to be able to see it in my flesh before I'm going to receive that Christ rose from the dead. And Christ didn't say, you dirty, rotten, you're just a horrible person. He didn't tell him all these things. He said, hey, bud, Uh, he came to him. It was eight days later, but in verse 26 of chapter 20, Jesus suddenly stood before them, and he says, peace to you. He said, then, looking into Thomas's eyes, the flesh, his eyes, He said, put your finger here in my wounds of my hands. Put your hand in my wounded side. See for yourself. Thomas, Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. He went to Thomas where he was at. He went to this man of God where he was at. And he touched, let him touch him, feel him. Because Jesus loved him that much. Jesus don't push us away. When we're unsaved, he pursued us. When we're in the flesh, he's going to pursue us. I get it all the time. Well, pastor, I've got to go through this time of cleansing. You know, uh, uh, last night I did something really bad. I need to be good at least three days, and then I can do these things. That isn't the God I know. If you're truly repentant, he's right here in your heart, and he's on your tongue. You confess it and believe, and, and, and he forgives you, and he reestablishes you. But a lot of us think that, you know, it's just something little in my life. You know, there's just this little bitty thing in my life, and it's really not that big a deal. I've been a Christian 20 years, and it hadn't affected me till now. Well, guys, let me tell you, it's costing you time. It's costing you lots of things. And and I'm going to pull up this video. Uh, This week, I've, I've run a mower, the grasshopper. And, and, and this little part over here is probably not much bigger than my thumb. It bent like that. That little part there has cost me time, probably $20 a week, because it leaks out fluid faster than I can keep it in the machine. And I don't have time to fix it. And I've gotten by without it a couple of years, and it dawned on me, I probably spent three or $400 in oil. 
And then I got to thinking it, it's, it's probably messing my hydrostats up when it's running a little air through there. And I decided to deal with this little bitty problem. And, and guess what it took to get to that little piece? I had to take my mower almost completely apart just to fix that little piece. And that's what a lot of times we don't realize that, that God has been on our case for 15 years to deal with a bad problem we got with the way we treat people maybe. Or, or, or the things that we're doing in the flesh and Christ is trying to come to us and deal with us, but we don't allow him to do it because, oh, it's not been a problem for the last 20 years. Yes, it has. You just forgot the effects of it. It's making a problem. It's making you to where you're not as close to God. Because again, when, when I'm pulled away from God, I'm not worshiping him. When I feel bad about that problem and, and, and gave into it, I'm not worshiping him. I'm not telling others about Christ. I'm not ministering to my kids. So those little things in our life do make a difference. And it's going to take a little bit of work sometimes to get them out. But it's going to change your life and your situation. And so, you know, don't be upset because they're, you know, God shows you a little bit of flesh. You know, the older I get and the more I read the word, the more ugly I see. And I see my heart and I don't like it. I don't like some things the Lord shows me, but he shows me so that I can repent and turn to him and he can fix it so that I can be a better person and he can love me better and I can love him better. It's all for us. It's not a bad thing. And so a lot of us, you know, we may be in the first step, not even know God at all. He's pursuing us. The second step, we may be operating in the flesh a lot or have some things going on in our life that we need to change. Christ is still pursuing us. And then the third thing here is that we're ruled by the Spirit. And if you jump down in, in John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said that this to uh, Thomas. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts, and they are blessed even more than you. And the reason I tell us that today is that when we're walking by the Spirit, and we're not counting on our eyes or our five senses, but when we're pressing into God, that's even a bigger deal to the Lord, because you're doing it by faith. And that's what Jesus was telling Thomas, you know, that's well and good that you got to see it, smell it, touch it, all that stuff. But let's move over here, because you're going to be even more blessed when you just do it because my word says it. When God's word says to do it, you're going to do it because you love me, and that's where you want to be. And so Jesus is working with those people as well. How many of you have ever seen Jesus in the flesh? Nobody has seen Jesus in the flesh? So you can experience what I'm talking about here in point three. You've had to walk in the spirit, in that spirit realm, to believe and receive Christ. You see where I'm at today? So we're all operating in these two, you know, after we're saved, we're operating in the flesh sometimes, we're operating in the spirit sometimes. Our goal is the fourth one. And Christ said that, that in verse 20, uh, or excuse me, 31 of chapter 20, that there will be some that fully believe that I, Jesus, am an anointed one. And that's the goal, that's the place that we want to get to. We want to get to the place that, that where we just, Jesus says it, he's the anointed one, and that's all that matters. But throughout this life, throughout my relationship with Christ, after I was the first stage saved, I catch myself operating in the flesh sometimes. I catch myself operating in the spirit, and I catch myself operating fully in the Lord. But I found out how I operate fully in the Lord is when I'm giving the most of my time 
and everything to Christ. When I'm, when I'm fully involved in the Sabbath and committed to the Sabbath, when I'm committed to prayer, when I'm committed to the things of God, you know, that's when I really experience God the most. When I was at Bible college, man, we're around God all the time. We're under such an anointing that it took me years to adapt after that because that anointing was there every day, 24-7. I was operating in the fullness of God. Why? Because we were praying and seeking God constantly. And guys, that's what our goal should be now at home and at work and at play, that we're seeking God all that we can so that we can be full of him. But again, there'll be times that we slip into the flesh and we say, God, I'm sorry. There'll be times that we're trying to operate in the spirit and there's times that we're fully in the Lord. Methodism's got a lot of problems right now. And I've said many times, uh, this last 20 years just makes me sick. But I'm repenting of that now. You know why? Because it's sharpened me. I know what I believe. I know who I am. It's made me a better person. And what we're seeing is people that have hung in there and believed in the things of God, like Oakton has in many, many other Methodist churches, we're starting to see revivals break out because it's forced them to worship God and stand when everybody's telling you you're a loser, when they're telling you that you may get appointed somewhere else. All we got to do to destroy your church is just appoint you over here. They could do so many things, but God has looked out for us and made us even stronger as a church. And a revival is breaking out. You wait and see that when, when we separate into this, and I hate that that's going that direction, but you wait and see there's a move of God already going on. I pray the move of God happens so fast that it sweeps across the church and we don't even split. But there's a revival going on. And I follow a guy named Shane Bishop that's out of Illinois that's just like Oakton, that believes just like we do. And he posted this on his blog the other day. And I'm talking about faith and where we're at in the Lord. That's what I've been talking about. And he said, faith is, is a really simple concept. God makes a promise and we believe it. And that just stuck with me. And I thought of the scripture in Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Faith is really simple. God makes a promise and we just believe it and do it. And if we would get a hold of that, we would be fully immersed in the anointed one. Now I've got a math problem for you and then I'm going to quit. But my friend was born, and you're laughing because you know I'm not good at math. But my friend, listen to me. My friend turned one, or excuse me, I'm sorry, let me back up. My friend was born February 29th, 2016. We celebrated his birthday last Saturday, February 29th, 2020. How old was he? I got one. What do I got anymore? One, one. We got a four. Which is he, one or four? Because if you guys realize, and, and, and I love our school, my son didn't even know this, I don't think. I told, called Joshua, and I said, hey, bud, do you know that, that it's leap year this year, and, and you're getting not paid for a day this year? Oh, that's not true, Dad. And anyhow, I got him all spun up. But anyway, <laughs> but if you said one today, and this is an example the Lord showed me, but it really helped me understand what God was trying to say. But if you said one today, you are correct according to man. You are being led by the flesh. And I say that with a smile on my face because we're trying to make a point. Why? 
Because Alexander the Great, a man, made the calendar, and February 29th only comes every four years. So if you look back in February 29th and 17, 18, and 19, it doesn't exist. So in the flesh, what you see, you hear, you smell, you feel, you touch, my friend is one. Okay? But those that said forth, that are four years old, you're walking in the Spirit. You're being led by the Spirit. You realize the calendar was made by man, and God is greater than the calendar. You don't have to see, hear, smell, feel, or touch to know the boy is four in reality. And you think that that's a silly illustration, but you ought to see how confused that boy is. I asked his mom, I said, are you celebrating one or four? And she goes, it's been fun. And, and, and because of we're, we're so trained, we are so trained, get that, that we can't look past our training sometimes. But we all know the boy's four. If not, when he's, what, seven or eight, he's going to be the biggest stud in football ever, you know? We're going to just let him play football, little kids? And he's six foot four, and he could be. And that's my point. But we, is, we get to looking at what we see, feel, touch so much that we can't look past it to see what's really going on in the Spirit and just believe the Word of God. And so I thought that was a cool illustration. It helped me if it didn't help you. But one thing is, I bet you remember it. So, but we, we say this again. Faith is a, is a really simple concept. God makes a promise and we just believe it. We believe his word. His word's alive and real. But no matter where you're at in your faith today, has God deeply moved you today? You see, that's our goal for sure as believers is to press into him more and more each day. Have you allowed the Lord to deeply move you today? And the altar call today is, is that do you really want more of him? If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's time to get saved. And it's time to be baptized. And it's time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, guys, people don't realize back in the day, the, the Holy Spirit was a pretty awesome thing. But again, we got to looking at man's way so much that, that we don't depend on the Holy Spirit anymore like we should. And maybe today you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're like the apostles in Acts chapter 4 that things just got heavy in your life. And, and, and you just need a refilling. And they went in and the place was shaken. Why? Because they were trying to kill Peter. They were trying to kill them all. And they cried out to the Lord and they said, renew our spirit. And the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, renewed in the things of God. In other words, the flesh began to work and man, they were getting persecuted. Man, the government was trying to kill them. My flesh is talking, Lord, I need your spirit in my life. Fill me full of your spirit today, Lord. So where are you at today? Do you got a part in your machine like mine that's leaking a lot of oil? And the Lord said, you need to give it to me. Let's give it to him today. But I don't know how the Lord's deeply moved you today. Is you, have, you are without excuse because the Lord loves you wherever you're at. Unsaved, saved, in the flesh, in the spirit, or full of God. He's after you today and he's speaking to you. He's as close as your heart and he's as close as your tongue. 
and he's on you right now. He's walking amongst us. You need to respond by what? Speaking and believing. That's all it is. Quit sitting there with your arms like this and taking all the abuse of this world and Satan and say, Father, I need you to help me in this area. And Father, I believe in you. Let's stand to our feet today.